Lying in our bags around the fire that night, sipping Labrador tea spiked with brandy, we talked about our hunting lodge. In those days, you could still homestead in that section of Alaska. All you had to do was improve the property by $500 over a three-year period. We could do that just by putting up a small cabin. A small cabin to start, but then expanding it, doing it right. A big, high-ceilinged main room with a stand-up English-style stone fireplace and a lot of heads on the walls. Rocking chairs built of caribou racks with lacquered snowshoe webbing. Bearskin rugs and bearskins on the beds in the guest rooms. A separate room for a library like we'd seen in the big old houses in India from the days of the Raj. One thing we'd learned in Alaska, felt it ourselves, was a hunger for books. The farther north you go in this world, and the deeper you penetrate the wild places, the more literate the people who live there. Apart from the radio, which was used as much for gossip as it was for legitimate emergencies, there was no other way to stay in touch with the rest of the world. Not that Alaskans would like to be living in the outside, but rather that learning of the outside's latest acts of errant idiocy gave them a sense of superiority. Another odd thing. Living lives of high adventure, they craved more than ever the spurious adventures of others, as filtered through the written word. A woman alone in a cabin on a remote mountain hours from any other human being might take out the compost pail one morning and find a brown bear standing in her vegetable garden. She would go back into the house, take the Remington three thirty eight Magnum off the wall, step outside, kill the bear with a brain shot, and then pour a cup of coffee and return to the sweet cheat gone. But the situation was ideal for a hunting lodge. It was far enough inland to be spared the incessant drenching rains of the coast. There was enough spruce and willow to heat with wood year-round, plenty of water. Not so boggy that mosquitoes would drive you out though they are a perennial pest everywhere in the summertime north. Mosquitoes and black flies and noceums, so thick in all these parts that I've seen caribou dead with their nostrils plugged with matted black insect bodies, seen moose go crazy and crash off cliffs from the fly bites. But by the time the hunting season rolled around late in August, the flying insects had usually vanished, frozen out by early frosts. It would be perfect. Let's file on it, Healy said.